You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Amen. Let's take our Bible, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Jerusalem certainly a special place for the Lord, and we're going to look at some passage of Scripture this morning that deals a little bit with Jerusalem. But uh, we're so thankful that you're here. If you are a guest, please make sure that uh, I get to meet you. I'd love to meet you. And then uh, when you leave today, there's a table right outside there with a... uh, Am I thinking of? Gift bag. There we go. Gift bag to give to you. As you're getting to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, I have two things I want to just uh, let you know about really quickly. First of all, at the end of this month, Missions Month, is Mission Sunday. And on Mission Sunday, we'll be taking up our faith promise or grace giving cards, these right here. And what this is, is this helps us to know what our budget for missions will be next year. So we're just, uh, whatever we're committing to give next year, whether it be weekly, monthly, whatever, uh, we're going to put on these little faith promise cards and turn them in. And again, missions giving, where does that go to? How much of it comes to the church? Zero. It all goes to missions. It all goes to getting the gospel to this world that we're in, okay? And so pick up one of these on your way out. Uh, on the back table uh, that are by the glass doors over there, there's some uh, a sheet you can sign up on to give to some of the missionaries. We always do that, try to give them something and be a blessing to them as they come. And uh, you'll also find these there. So you can pick it up this week, next week, or the week after, but just so you know, they are there and available for you. Also, last week we put out a sign-up sheet for our Gethsemane Baptist Church teams. And if you'd like to be a part of a team or you'd like more information about a team, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like you to sign up. And that's on the table, right? We have a bunch of tables in the foyer. Just walk around till you find it, okay? But there, it's right outside here. And uh, there's a list of our teams out there. And uh, some of our teams you have to be a member to be on, but many of our teams you don't. We have a care team, decoration team, graffiti team in Long Beach, of course, uh, homeless ministry team, a media team, uh, you know, things like this, and uh, the property team, solar panel cleaning team, the welcome team, we have a bookstore team, children's ministry, choir team, discipleship team, king's kids, nursery, security, sound team, special music, usher team. We have a lot of teams, 18 of them right now, and uh, we're trying to add more. So just opportunities for you to be involved if you'd like to be. And so sign it back there. Some of you did last week. Thank you so much. We're going to get you some information this week about that. And so it is there for you if you'd like to do that, okay? And I want to make sure you know that. It's good to see Mrs. Anna Reynolds back and then Brother Jeff Alisea back in, back in business here and others of you. And it's also today, I thought this, I don't normally announce birthdays, it's humorous to me, that our youngest usher and I'm going to assume our oldest usher both have birthdays today. And uh, so Josh Johnson and then Brother Slater, you can figure out which one is which there with that. But uh, we're so thankful. We have such faithful people throughout our church that serve, and uh, so we're thankful for each one of them. Take your Bibles, if you're there, at 2 Corinthians, and uh, I, I have, uh, I've told you that I'm going to do a series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and that starts 
next Sunday morning. We're going to take a chapter each week and uh, deal with a specific topic. In fact, I'll tell you what the topic is. We're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians at the culture of a church that pleases God. The culture of a church that pleases God. That starts next Sunday morning, and uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and uh, we'll talk about that. The the Corinthian church was not pleasing to God, so we're going to see some examples of what to do and what not to do and some correction that Paul gave. But today we're in 2 Corinthians to kind of kick off our missions month, and uh, I want to give you a, a message this morning entitled, The Example of Missions Minded Churches. The example of missions-minded churches. And I want you to look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, and realize that Paul, the, the, the writer here, is talking to the people of Corinth, the, the city of Corinth. There was a church there. And again, if you read 1 Corinthians, back in those times, they weren't doing so hot. But uh, Paul is writing a second letter to them, and he's going to tell the people of Corinth about the example of other churches that are in Macedonia. Macedonia famous for, that's where Alexander the Great came from, and uh, top of Greece there. And so there are, but there are some churches in Macedonia that you will know when I tell you. But uh, right now I want you to look down at these verses here. It says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren... We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality or generosity. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Our theme for Missions Month is the regions beyond. And uh, we want to, and Paul says that, in fact, in this very book, a chapter or two later, two chapters later, he says, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. And uh, th- that's, that's what we're trying to get across this month is that, hey, the gospel has uh, gotten to America. Now, not to everybody, not to every, every corner, of course, <clears throat> but uh, the gospel needs to get to the regions beyond us. Now, we're, we, we need to do our part to get the gospel to Long Beach, but we also have a responsibility to get the gospel to the regions beyond us. And as Paul is talking here, I want to pray and uh, give you some thoughts about the example of missions-minded churches. Father, thank you so much for today, for the great spirit that we've had in church. Thank you so much for guests with us today. Thank you so much for folks that are back that have been gone and, and uh, folks that have been out of town that are back. And just we're thankful for the, uh, the group of people, the congregation of people you've brought together this morning. And I pray, God, that uh, I believe you have us here for a reason and that we need this message. So speak with us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 1, if you would. <clears throat> the Bible says, <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit... That's a weird phrase. We don't use that phrase. What's it mean? It means we make known to you. Paul is saying there, uh, we want you to know 
of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So, Corinthian people, let me tell you, let me make known to you what God has done in Macedonia. And and, and Paul is going to tell them of the blessings and the grace of God that has been upon these churches that many of whom Paul helped start and and they were doing great things for God. What were these churches doing? Let me just tell you. These churches were taking up offerings to give to poor believers in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a map of, of Macedonia as compared to Jerusalem, but Macedonia would be, you, know, you think of Italy and you think of the, go to the top there. Macedonia is way up there. And then as you go down, there's the sea there, the Mediterranean Sea. And as you go back around over here, way down over here is Israel and Palestine and all of that. And, uh, and Jerusalem is down there. I mean, it's a long... Turn it off. Just trying to get your attention. Make sure you're listening this morning. How did I even do that? Anyway, all right. But it's a ways away. So probably, most likely, the people that were in these Macedonian churches had never met the people in this Jerusalem church. But they heard, hey, there are some believers, there are some, uh, some, some Christians who are going through a great need. Now, I, I don't know if this is what happened, if, if this is what brought it on, but under Caligula, I think it was 8035, around that time, there was a massive earthquake. A couple of years later, there was a massive earthquake in the, in the land of Israel over there, a, a, in that region, and crops just was died. So, and the poorest of the people in those days were the Christians. Not much has changed, all right? But uh, the poorest people in those days were the Christians. And, uh, and so they were suffering. They had great need. And Paul is saying, hey, I want to tell you about how these Macedonian Christians in these churches, how they were able to give and the grace of God was upon these churches there. Now, we know <clears throat> that in, when it comes to missions work, you hear this every year probably, that there are three responsibilities that we each have. When it comes to getting the gospel out, we have to pray. That is a responsibility. Pray for uh, uh, missionaries. Pray for souls saved. Jesus, the only prayer request that Jesus ever told us himself to pray for was to pray for laborers. Pray for more people to go give the gospel. So we are to pray. Pray that uh, people get saved. Pray for our missionaries. On On Mission Sunday, you will get our prayer guide that has all of our missionaries in it, and you can pray for a certain amount every day and every month pray for our entire uh, list of missionaries. On the back, it tells you some ideas of what to pray for. Why? Because we have a responsibility to pray for them. Pray for their finances. Pray for open doors with the gospel. Pray for the safety of their families. Some of these families in such uh, uh, dire straits where they are and and severe places where they could be uh, imprisoned or killed. Pray. We also know we're supposed to give. We know we're supposed to give. I don't get as many amens when I talk about that, but I tell you, we're supposed to give. The Bible says giving to these people is what we're supposed to do. And, uh, give for, and, and we're giving for the sake of people we'll never meet. We're giving to missionaries to go to places where you know, you know, we'll have folks coming in through the Balkans. We'll have uh, folks coming in through the Grenadines. I had to Google where the Grenadines what it even is. Is that an apartment complex? What is it? No, it's a series of islands down in, uh, uh, in the Caribbean. Now, I don't feel so bad for them. 
They're in the Caribbean. You should Google that place. But, it looks, but I'm sure it's difficult there that we've got people that are coming in for Jamaica and, uh, and for other places, Mozambique, I think, as well this month. And, and they are going to minister to people that on this earth you will never meet. But you giving helps them go so that people can get saved. Man, that's so important. So we got to pray. We have to give, and we're all supposed to do these things, and we also have to go. Go. Go where? Go across the street. Go across uh, your cubicle. Go down the road from you. We go where we are. We take the gospel with us everywhere we go. That's what we're supposed to do. I love it when I go to, I, I've, I've seen this before, I go to places and I go into like the, and I told you this recently, I go into the restroom and I'll see like I get so many Baptist church track. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. Sometimes I see them on the ground in our neighborhood. But hey, at least they're, they're getting out. And I'm excited about that. We're supposed to go. So these churches in Macedonia, though, they are providing a great example of people with a heart for missions. What were the Macedonian churches? See if any of these sound familiar to you. There was the church at Philippi. Paul wrote to them in the book of Philippians. There was the church at Thessalonica, where Paul wrote to them two books, first and second Thessalonians. There was the church also... Uh, uh, of uh, Berea, where we know they searched the scriptures the Bible talks about. Those were all Macedonian churches giving for the needs of other people. And uh, so Paul is going to use them as an example, but look at the example. This is what I want to get to. What is the example of these, of, of these churches? First of all, I want you to see in verse 2 that these churches had joy through affliction. They had joy through affliction. Look at verse 2. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So even in the midst of some great affliction, they had joy in giving. Joy. Uh, what is great trial there? A trial in the Bible means an examination. It is a testing. What it means here is their character was tested. They were going through a great trial of affliction. Affliction being distress or trouble. So these churches did not have it easy. These churches did not have the most money. They did not have the most people. They did not have the most resources. They were going through it and yet they still had great joy. What an example. It's not a strange thing for people in church, in a church who are trying to please God. It is not a strange thing for those people to go through times of trouble. It is not a strange thing for those people to go through times of testing. We all go through testing. What does testing do for us? Testing purifies us. Testing uh, uh, not only purifies us, uh, uh, but, but testing examines us and shows us where we're weak. How many of you, when you were in school, you loved tests? Anybody love tests? All right. There's three people in this room with their hands up. All right. Three people. Love. How many of you hated tests? Okay. All right. More participation. Some of you are awful neutral about tests. Okay. You don't care one way or another. I actually like tests because I was good at one thing in school, memorizing and I could memorize things quickly, and uh, so I was like, look, unless it was problems you had to figure out, 
or something the teacher never even mentioned, which I know our teachers have never done that, tested on something they didn't even mention in class, but all of my teachers did that, I feel like. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed tests, because I was like, you know what, I can memorize a list and repeat that list. That's, that, that's something I can do. But we don't like testing, but testing is necessary. Testing is necessary in school, in college. Why? <clears throat> it shows what you've learned. It shows where you need work. And so these churches are going through these great trials, these great testings, and, but it, that's what everybody goes through. Take your Bible. I'd like you to hold your place here. We're going to come right back and go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Toward the end of your Bible there, if you go to the back and flip back toward the front, you'll find 1 Peter after a couple books there. What a great example this church was. Why? Because they were going through trouble. They were going through distress. They were going through adversities and all these things, but they, yet they had joy. And, you know, I don't know what God has in store for Gethsemane Baptist Church. I don't know the future. I don't know what troubles will come knocking on our door. I don't know what trials will come to us. And I don't know what trials will come to you. But what I want to say is even in the midst of those trials and afflictions, you can have joy. You can have joy. It is possible. And it is something God wants you to have. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Why do you think it's weird that you're being tested? Why do you think it's weird that you go through tough times? Why do you think it's strange that you are faced with adversity and issues and problems and afflictions? Hey, it's not some strange thing that happened unto you. So don't think it odd when you go through trials. But notice what he says next, verse 13, but... Rejoice. Rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad, also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Hey, look, when you're going through trials and you're going through tribulations and you're doing it for the cause of Christ and you're trying to live for God and you're trying to make a difference and yet trouble comes and trials come and afflictions come, hey, you ought to just say glory to God because I, God is showing something in my life. God is revealing some things. God is working in me. Charles Spurgeon said, there is marvelous medicinal power in joy. Marvelous medicinal power. Why do at hospitals they bring comedians in? Why at hospitals do they bring dogs into the rooms? I'll tell you why. You bring a husky into my room and I'm in the hospital, I'm happy. You bring a cat, I'm going to die. But you bring, you bring a dog in that room, oh, things just got better. Things just got better. I was in the hospital a year ago with appendicitis, of course, you know that, and had that emergency surgery there. Good times, awesome, had fun. I tell you what I did not have. I did not have a husky coming in or, or a golden retriever. 
I had a homeless guy over here yelling and screaming as I'm trying to sleep in the room. Like, I could probably have reached him. He was that close. There weren't a lot of joy there. But tell you what, why did they do it? Because we even know in modern medicine that joy makes a difference. It makes a difference. Joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of your relationship with God and your yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. And I just think, even in regards to missions, we, we can sometimes say, well, we're going through something, so we can't, we can't go. We're going through something, so we can't give a gospel track. I'm going through adversity, so I can't give. I'm going through issues, so I can't pray. But no, even in the midst of this church's adversity, in the midst of this church's affliction, I should say, that's what the Bible word, affliction, they still were giving. And it says there that in, at the end of verse 2, back where we were, uh, it, it says that to abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Their generosity came through joy in trials. I want to see secondly here, what example do these churches set? They had joy through affliction. But secondly, they gave through their adversity. They gave through their adversity. It says there in verse 2, how then a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It says, it says deep poverty. You know what that means? Deep means extreme. Their extreme, extreme poverty they still gave. It means no money. No material goods, and yet these churches that had nothing were giving. And it even says there that in their deep poverty abounded. How can you have poverty and abundance? How, how can you have uh, 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 nothing but have something? And it says there in verse 2 that they have riches, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So they have nothing, they have deep poverty, but they have riches. They have deep poverty, but they have uh, abundance. How is that? What were, I think we ought to ask the question, what were they rich in? And it says there that they were riches of their liberality. Their generosity was not limited by their pocketbook. Their generosity was not limited by their adversity, by their afflictions. Oh, that's a great example. Say, why? Because I know that when adversity hits and when bills are due and when unexpected doctor bills come in or the, or the IRS happens to get to your, to your tax form from four years ago and they're like, you know what? We think you did this wrong. And now you've got another. When those things strike and hit, it's very easy to say, well, I can't give. Very easy to say, hey, deep poverty has reached me. By the way, we don't know anything about deep poverty in America. Can we just be honest? We, are, we don't know anything about deep poverty here. Okay, I understand there are people that are struggling, and I'm not minimizing that. That is sad, and I get that, and I know many, many folks in here, and we've been there. We've had $8 in our account that was supposed to last two weeks. Hey, we've been there. I understand that. But I'm saying the world around us has it much worse. And, they have, and these churches had, by Paul, described as deep poverty. And yet they gave. And yet they gave. When we decide, oh, I'm going through adversity, so I'm going to stop giving to God. 
When we do that, we're asking for more adversity. That's what we're asking for. We're asking for more problems. And their affliction didn't stop their giving. It increased it. Uh, an abundance of joy leads to an abundance of giving. And that's what we see here. What a great example of a church. Of a church that was going through it. A church that wasn't rich. A church that didn't have the, you know, the gold all over the platform. But they said, what we can do is give. And which would you rather have? Would you rather have the church with gold everywhere or the church that gives? I'd rather have the church that gives. I'd rather have the church that gives. And I think we do. <laughs> I don't see gold anywhere around here. But can I ask you this? How about this? What's our response when we hear of a missionary coming in that says we have a need in Mozambique? We have a need in the West Indies. We, we have a need in the Grenadines. We have a need in the 1040 window. We, we have a need in Cambodia. We have a need over here in the Philippines. We have a need over here in Ireland or wherever it may be. Our response should not be, well, you know what? I'm going through a little bit of a tough time here. No, we're expected to give, even in the midst of that. Through their, they gave through their adversity. They had joy through affliction. But what you see thirdly, they gave above their ability. There's a pastor preaching on money again. When's the last time I preached on money? We, we get a bad rap as preachers for preaching on money, but I'm preaching about money that will never touch my pocket. We're preaching about money that's going overseas and over to these places where people can get saved. So if you've got a problem with that, then you've got a problem with the word of God. This is not a selfish thing here. We're preaching about getting the gospel to people and helping them. But see here, they gave to their adversity. They gave above their ability. Look at verse 3. For to their power, that's the word ability. For to their power or ability, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So, so Paul says, look, I bear record. In other words, I have seen this myself. These people in these churches are giving beyond what they even can give. I mean, this is grace giving. This is miraculous giving. This is giving and saying, well, God's just going to have to take care of my needs because I don't know how it's coming in because we've got to give. C.S. Lewis, of course, was a Christian apologist who got, uh, he, he was an, uh, an atheist, got saved, wrote, of course, the Chronicles of Narnia and all that. He said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Wow, I like that. What's the point? The point here is that the example that we see is a church that sacrificed. I don't like the word sacrifice. You know why? Because I have flesh. And my flesh does not like sacrifice because by very definition, sacrifice costs me something. By very definition, sacrifice means I'm going to be uncomfortable. It means I'm not going to be in my comfort zone. It means I am not going to, uh, I can enjoy it. I can give sacrificially and enjoy it, but my flesh will not. It'll be my spirit. And the point here is that true giving and true generosity involves sacrifice. It, you know, uh, I, I have some quotes I'll read in just a second, but, but I, I think donating clothes to the Salvation Army is a, is a good thing. I got no problem with that. 
donating clothes for the rescue mission. I've got, I think those are great things to do, but is that really a sacrifice? Giving something you don't need or want? Something that you would throw away? In fact, Sir Henry Taylor, a poet uh, 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 in the 1800s said, he who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. The essence of, a, of generosity is in self-sacrifice. What did Jesus do? Self-sacrifice. He gave of himself. Very generous. I want to just ask us this morning a question I, I don't like to ask myself, but what do we sacrifice for missions work? What have we sacrificed for missions work? Have we given above our ability? What, what are we willing to sacrifice so that others may hear the gospel message? Our time? Are we willing to sacrifice a Starbucks? What are they now, $14 for a cup of coffee? Pastor, I don't go to Starbucks every day. No, you just drink it at home. Or Folgers. Or you're not, oh, it's just a, I'm a tea person. Oh, whatever. What I'm saying is, what are we willing to do that, would, that we would feel it? Because where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Why don't we have a heart for missions like we ought to? We haven't put our treasure in missions. We haven't felt it. Because when you give sacrificially, you are invested. I don't know how, if any of you have a stock market account. I don't. I don't even know how it works. But I tell you what, if I was involved in stocks, I know a little bit. If I was involved in stocks, I'd be checking every day. My heart would be, why? Because that's where my finances are. Why do we need to be more involved in giving when it comes to missions? Because God wants our heart there. God wants our heart there. Do we sacrifice for missions? I see a great example of a church here that did that. Quickly, can I say fourthly, what else is a great example? Not only they had joy through affliction and they gave through adversity, they gave above their ability what they even could give because they had deep poverty, yet they were giving above that. They also showed great affection. Look at verse 4. I love this verse. This verse is incredible to me. It says, praying us, which the word pray means to ask, praying us or asking us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. These, These churches had a love for these people they never met. And they said, we have a great desire to help and encourage these people. And I think that's just brotherly love. That's just good Christian love. But, but notice it says they're praying us, asking us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They were begging Paul and his companion, companions to take their money. When's the last time you beg somebody to take your money? That, that doesn't happen often. You know, please take my money. I don't want it. Here. <laughs> that's what this church was doing. Would Paul, take our money. Paul, take our goods. Paul, take our offering. Oh, you guys don't have a lot. Take it. Now, I go to Panera Bread, and I'm saying, take my money. Give me that salad right now. Give me that, that yellow soup. My daughter Kelly loves yellow soup. What's the yellow soup? It's broccoli cheddar soup. It's fantastic at Panera Bread, all right? And the smokehouse barbecue sandwich. I'm just helping you all out right now. Some of you, all you're going to get from church today is a new order when you go to Panera Bread. But you got it, okay? 
But I, I, I'll say to them, I'll say to people when it comes to food, when I go to my favorite taco place, take my money. <laughs> when it comes to giving, do we have that spirit? Do we have the same spirit? When it comes to missions work, as a church, I mean, think about this. These people in these churches were desperately desiring to be involved. They're saying, we want to give to missions work, Paul. Why won't you let us give, Paul? Take this, Paul, to encourage the saints to get the gospel out. And I just say, as a church, Gethsemane Baptist Church, are we desperate to be involved in missions work? Why not? Why aren't we? If, if we're not, if we're not desperate. See, the, Pastor Smith, the, the one who hired me here, and he's to blame for all this, okay, if, if you don't like me, all right? But anyway, he, he used to say, the, the mission of the church is missions. That's what we're here for. Yes, we're going to encourage the saints. We're going to equip the saints. We're going to edify the saints. But we're also here to evangelize the world. The mission of the church is missions. So it's our job in Long Beach to get the gospel to Asia, to Africa. It's our job to get the gospel to the world, but it's also our job to get the gospel across the street. It's our job. Now, are we responsible for every person in the world knowing? No, but we're part of Christianity. We have to do our part. The mission of the church's missions, and we ought to be saying, hey, when are there more giving opportunities for missions? Hey, when are there more opportunities for missions trips? Hey, when are there more opportunities to get the gospel out? Hey, when are we going to get some buses and roll into L.A. and reach people with the gospel? Hey, when are we going to take, uh, go down to the, to the city, to Long Beach in the city there, in, 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 the, in the downtown district, and get some gospel tracks down? When are we going to do more missions work? When are we going to have more prayer meetings for the missionaries? That ought to be our desire. As a church to say, hey, I want to be involved in missions and we have a great love for missions. Why? Because we have a great love for God. Now, what I want to say this, this is the most important point and it's the last point that I'm about to give you. How did these churches have great joy in the midst of affliction? How did these churches have, be able to give in the midst of adversity and be able to give above their ability? How did these churches have, show great affection? Where did that all come from? It came, verse 5, because these churches first put themselves on the altar. Look at verse 5. We're finishing up. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now let me just take a moment and explain that. What's, what's Paul saying there? And this they did, not as we hoped. Word hope, if I remember, is, is, is the meaning of expectation. What he's saying there is this was not what we expected, not as we expected. In other words, this, these churches exceeded expectations. So they, they did above and beyond what we thought they would. And they first gave their own selves to God. That, that's the most important part of all this. How were they able to have joy in affliction? They first gave themselves to God. How were they able to give in the midst of adversity and, and give above their ability? They gave themselves first to the Lord. How were they able to have such great affection for their brothers in Christ? Because they had great affection by giving themselves to God first. 
And the reason we don't have a heart for missions like we ought to, the reason we don't have a heart for, for people getting saved and giving, that we ought to, is maybe because we have first not given ourselves to God. Because it's one thing to give some money, but God wants us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And that's what these churches did. It says they first gave their own selves. Before they gave a dollar, they gave themselves to the Lord. And then they were able to give to others. They saw their giving as an opportunity to show their love for God. When you give to missions or when you go with the gospel or when you pray for missionaries in our church and other things, what you really are doing is showing your love for God. That's what it's all about. It's saying, God, you are first. You are preeminent in my life. And because of that, I'm going to pray for missionaries and for people to get saved. Because you are first and because you are preeminent, I'm going to give sacrificially, even in adversity, and I'm going to give with joy, and I'm going to give above my ability, and because you are first in my life, I'm willing to go. Now, probably most of you are not supposed to be missionaries overseas. You're supposed to be a missionary at your workplace. You're supposed to be a missionary with your family. I, I thought a couple years ago, I'll be honest with you, I'm almost done, I, I thought a couple years ago God may be calling me to be a missionary. I felt like that probably two, three years ago, right, right before COVID. And I really struggled with that thing. I've had to surrender many times in my life to be a missionary, you know, just to say, God was just tugging on my heart saying, are you willing? And I don't think God wanted me to go. I think God wanted me to be willing to go. And so there were times I'd have to come to the altar, and I, I did this in Bible college. I've done it many times in my life, and I had to come and say, okay, God, I don't really want to. I, I, I love where I'm at. I want to be here, but I'm willing. You know what God, God gave me? I, I don't feel like God called me to be a missionary in a foreign field. But what I felt like God told me, and, and again, I didn't hear an audible voice or anything, but I felt like the Lord was telling me, I'm glad you surrendered to be a missionary because you already are one. You're in the international city, and you look around our church, how many nationalities are represented? And God, I believe, told me, and we have it on the back when you leave, you are now entering the mission field. I believe Long Beach is a mission field. I went and preached at a, at a teen camp recently, and the pastor stood up, he's a friend of mine, and he said, I want to tell you something about Brother and Mrs. Reynolds. They are on the mission field. Because <laughs> he's been to our church, he knows. He's seen the graffiti. He's seen the broken down wall out there, and he got plowed through with the truck. You know, he's, he said, they are on the mission field. And you know what the Lord just, and I, and I want to tell you today, you're a missionary too. You may not get paid by the church to go, but God pays better than we do anyway. So go, give, and pray. What I want to just say as, as I close, I've said that three times now, but I'm serious this time. I want to just read you three verses. You don't have to turn there. Paul mentions these churches at least three other times. In the book of 2 Corinthians, where we're at, chapter 11, verse 9, it says, And when I was present with you, Corinthians, and wanted or lacked, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. Then in the book of Philippians, part of the Macedonian church, verse, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. 
So he's mentioned twice that the people of Thessalonians, he's telling everybody everywhere, these churches are giving. And listen to this verse. This is what I love. Romans chapter 15, verses 25 and 26. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So, well, okay, he mentions Macedonia, but he also mentions Achaia. What is in Achaia? <clears throat> Corinth. Corinth is. So when he gets to Jerusalem, when he's going to Jerusalem, he says, you know what? The church is in Macedonia and Corinth have given. What did that do to, in the book of 2 Corinthians? What happened there? You see, Paul used an example and said, these churches are giving and you need to give. And the people of Corinthians took that example and stepped up. And I want to say as a church, let's step up. Let's look at these Macedonian churches and say, you know what? We're going to be more like that. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. I pray today, Lord, that we would just have a missions mindset. That we would be consumed with getting the gospel to this world.